Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Today, I am blessed beyond measure to have Matt with me. If you're on the LinkedIn world, you can see a lot about what his story has been. And if you have not followed him, you definitely need to follow Matt because you're such an amazing human being. And I am, like I said, blessed beyond measure to know you. Let's just go ahead and dive right in, Matt. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself real quick. Yeah, well, I mean, first off, thank you for having me. This is truly a blessing and it's been amazing knowing you. And I mean, I just think I'd like to kind of thank the LinkedIn community for bringing us together. That's what's been so beautiful about that network. But yeah, a little bit about myself. So, um, you know, I've got a background as a professional in sales and marketing. I've been in that space for a little over a decade, 12, 13 years, I should say. Um, but really kind of the broader, you know, story that I have to share goes into mental health and my spiritual journey, which I've been on uh, kind of knowingly for about a decade, uh, a little bit unknowingly for maybe about 25 years. So that's that's kind of the the mission that I'm very passionate about and looking to share more about here with you today. Great. So... Matt, what are you not sorry for? I am not sorry for telling my story. And I love that, it. Yeah, yeah. And that's both personally and professionally. I think what I realized is that, um, you know, I'm a child of God. You know, you and I are both very spiritual people. Um, there's no shame in who I am. Um, you know, he created me to be as unique as, as, as I am. And I think what I realized probably beginning in 2011 when I kind of had my rebirth in faith is that I wanted to marry who I was personally with who I was professionally. And so I started sharing that story and initially it was on Facebook and then it, you know, transitioned over to LinkedIn as well. And it was a little bit of a different environment and, you know, maybe a little bit of culture shock there too, but it was, it was the right path. And now I can see where it was all leading at the time. I didn't know, but it's been a beautiful journey. So tell me about your star story and for the viewers that do not know it. Um, yeah. A little bit about the backstory, and I know it, so I'm excited for others to hear it, and we'll we'll dive into it a little bit more. So, if you don't mind, yeah, sure. So, I mean, I first encountered um, like my mental health journey in 2002. So, I was actually a sophomore uh, or heading into my sophomore year in college, and I had an event that occurred, and it led to like this door opening to anxiety and panic disorder. And so I experienced it on a pretty high level then. And then throughout my life, I kind of went through, you know, seasons of it. Um, but it really didn't present itself in that dramatic of a fashion again until 2011. And in 2011, um, I kind of went through what I would consider like a mental breakdown, if you will. Um, I mean, it truly set me back. I, I experienced panic and anxiety on a level that I had never seen before. And I thought, you know, it was devastating in 2002. 2011 took it to a whole nother level. And when I was going through that, um, you know, I began kind of experimenting with my faith a little bit more. I started reading scripture and doing devotionals and just 
um, you know, building a little bit of a relationship with God. And at one point in time, you know, I was kind of reverting back to some old behaviors that were like comforts for me, like known comforts that they really weren't healthy for me. And I felt God intervene in one of those moments and tell me like, you know, you need to take responsibility for your life. That was kind of the message that I heard. And on a deeper level, I felt like I needed to share my story. I felt like that's what he was calling me to do. So ultimately, I opened up. Um, I started a blog the very next day. And I started posting and sharing my story on Facebook. And then ultimately, I transitioned to LinkedIn as well and started sharing. And that had been my journey for you know several years was just this blogging. And then what I started to find in that was that Initially, the way that I looked at it was it was something I needed to do for myself to heal. And then I recognized that it was impacting the lives of others in a really positive way. And it gave me this deeper purpose and meaning for my life. And, you know, it, it became not only about me getting well, but about others getting well. And I started to recognize that I felt really good when I shared because it was like I was taking this weight that had been on my shoulders for so long and I was just dropping it. And so I got to the point where, you know, if I got into more sensitive, the more sensitive the topic, like the more excited I got to share it because I knew that it was like such an anchor in me that, that I had been carrying it and it had been weighing me down. So it felt so good to bring it to the table. And I knew that it was stuff that other people were going through. And, you know, maybe they didn't have anybody else that was willing to have a conversation with them about it or to share openly about it. So I felt like it was something unique that I could bring to the table in order to support a broader community. And just in recent months, I've really invested more time and energy into it as we've gotten into the pandemic and social isolation. I know that people are going through difficult times and it's really motivated me to, you know, refuel this purpose and and truly step into it and live it in faith. And so the thing is, is that mental health has a big stigma to it. Mm-hmm. And so you said it in the Facebook world, which can mm-hmm. be halfway OK, because we can have personal stuff. Right. But then right. we put it in the LinkedIn world. What happened whenever you put it in a professional setting and what we talk about is how you need to be human at homework and play. Yeah. Could you be a human at homework and play? Was there some adversity that you faced? There was. Yeah. So when I first started sharing, I, and it wasn't necessarily from the audience that I was speaking to, it was actually the employer that I was working for at the time. And I had been with them for a little over five years. I did at one point receive a call from the HR manager who said, you know, LinkedIn is kind of a business platform and we like to try and keep it professional on here. And so we've seen what you're sharing and we're just not real comfortable with it. And I got that kind of um, reprimand, if you will. And it's sort of it did set me back. It was a little bit of a gut punch, you know, I because I really fully 100 percent believed in what I was doing. I believed that God was calling me to do it. I believed that he was calling me to open doors on LinkedIn. And um, so it it set me back a little bit and I did push back on that. And ultimately, I I felt a little disconnected from that company and ended up leaving about six months later. Um, Since that time, I can't say that I faced a ton of other pushback, but it's just the LinkedIn community in general um, years ago was very like, stuffy in a sense, like professional only. Um, I see a trend happening now that's very, very positive though. And I think part of it was at the time, I didn't really open up my network. You know, I kind of stayed in my little box and now I've just expanded that out and I've tried to connect with like-minded individuals like yourself and others that we know in our networks that 
you know, support these kinds of things. And I've seen like this um, beautiful community starting to blossom and share openly, you know, vulnerable posts that um, really show the awesome authenticity of the human behind it. So, yeah. And I think that's the part, it's the authenticity that it's mm -hmm. okay to say, I have depression, I have anxiety and mm -hmm. uh, agoraphobia. Is mm -hmm. So if you could describe to people what that actually is and mm -hmm. some of the things that you are feeling so yeah. that if people do hear your story now, yeah, that they might can resonate or seek additional help if needed. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the anxiety in general is kind of like if you're not familiar with it, like, so if you went on, a, some people are like thrill seekers and they like to go on like big roller coasters and stuff. And like, it's that buildup that you feel as you're going up, you know, the initial ascent and then you come down, it's like that rush of adrenaline. Anxiety is a lot like that. And, you know, some people could say like people seek that type of feeling, but when it's on all day long or it comes, you know, from, from nothing at all, you could wake up in the morning after a couple, you know, six, seven, eight hours of sleep and wake up with that extreme like feeling in your belly that would be like related to something adrenaline wise, it's kind of, it's kind of scary and it wears you out pretty quick. And so that's kind of the best way that I can probably describe anxiety from a panic standpoint. Um, you know, panic disorder is something that is really frightening because in the moments when you're having a panic attack, you truly feel like, I mean, I've experienced all the physical symptoms where your throat's kind of closing up, um, your heart's racing, you're really in your head, the, the thoughts that are rushing to your brain are that you're dying, like that you're having a heart attack. You know, I'll have like the numbness in my extremities and things like that that occur. Um, when I first started encountering anxiety, that would happen during the day. And then it started actually like coming to me uh, in my sleep because I, I started getting better at managing myself during the day. And it seemed like when I was asleep, I was vulnerable. And that's when I would start to have this experience. And so um, the agoraphobia was like the most extreme thing that I ever faced as far as like anxiety and, and panic was concerned. And that really followed like that emotional nervous breakdown, if you will, that I had. And um, that was the point when the anxiety and panic got so incredibly intense that if I was outside of like my little comfort zone, which was a one bedroom, one den apartment, and I lived there by myself at the time, I hadn't met my wife or we weren't dating or anything at that point. Um, I was there by myself. And if I left that comfort zone, I felt like this extreme like fear. Um, and a lot of it was is that I'm going to be out in public and I'm going to experience one of these traumatic events. And everybody's going to see this and they're going to they're going to see just like how vulnerable I really am. Like this is going to come out and I'm not going to be able to get back home in time to, you know, be able to like get, get some comfort um, in my system that'll allow me to hit that reset button and get myself to a place where I can actually function again. And so um, it got to the point with agoraphobia where I didn't leave my, my apartment for, you know, a couple weeks or, um, you know, I had to like literally talk to myself to go to the mailbox or take the trash out. So, um, and I was a, I was an outside sales rep that had been on airplanes and, you know, traveled all over the country prior to that. And what's amazing is, is that my faith, you know, led to this healing process where I've done all of that since, you know, and then some. So you can too is the fact that a lot of people see mental health or well, the lack of seeing mental health, moreover. So if we have an open gaping wound, mm -hmm. people would be like, oh, you need to go get that fixed. 
Mm. But if they can't see the mental imbalance, they can't see the anxiety, you can't see depression, you can't see these things. Right. So a lot of people don't do anything about it. Right. So talk about one, the power of telling your story mm -hmm. and the aspect to help your recovery. And that does not mean that you're fully, that you can't have relapses and you can't oh, have yeah. whatever it may be and you don't deal with anxiety or depression. And I do want to uh, be specific that anxiety depression is about uh, anything that's over two weeks. So if it's mm -hmm. this constant feeling two weeks or over, that's whenever we really recommend people to go seek help or seek right. a way um, reaching out. But how has telling your story helped in the process with mental yeah. health? Yeah. So telling the story has allowed me to gain a lot of clarity. So like what I found when I started blogging was that as I as I started to share the events and like the experience, I started to like wrap my head around it a little bit better. And I started to understand it. And it was like, I could see kind of how all the pieces fit. And so it was almost like, probably like speaking to, you know, a therapist, you know, but I was, I was kind of talking to myself and what I would find is I would start this blog sharing the experience. And then by the end of it, I'm writing kind of a conclusion to that blog article. And it's like, I'm healing myself in the conclusion because as I went through and I wrote it all out, it was really powerful. And then I was like, okay, now this makes sense. So here's kind of the next step. Here's what I need to do, or I need to do this. And it became like me, you know, a lot of times what I'm sharing is meant to be motivational to a community, but I'm talking to myself all the time. You know, like I'm coaching myself through it. I don't have all that. And it's like you said, just because I've healed in a lot of ways doesn't mean that I don't wake up and face this every single day. So I need this content for myself as much as I do to give it to the rest of you and coach other individuals who are going through these experiences. So I do it for me and I do it for everybody um, because I know it's, it's a constant journey. We don't wake up and one day it's gone. I, I think I've learned to flip it and, you know, turn these into strengths. I mean, and I think that's probably what's most critical. I don't see any of this as a weakness anymore. Yes, it's that victor mentality over the mm -hmm. victim. And I remember one time, uh, I mental health first aid instructor, so I do that. Mm -hmm. And one of the times whenever we were going through getting certified, the guy's like, I don't know if you should tell your story because I don't want people consoling you in it. And so I love that you started writing it. But for me, what I say is I can tell my story because I know there's so much grace in it mm -hmm. and that it is something that is to empower others. Yes. And so as I always joke, I say I'm a mental health basket case mm -hmm. and walking. So panic. A lot of people don't know that. Well, people that know me know that I've actually had panic disorder um, brought on by um, having my child. And mm. so the, the extreme fear, the extreme, like, ra like you can't rationalize either. Right. And there's so many things, but I am not sad about it. I'm not, I'm glad that it happened. And so oh. in that aspect, what would you tell people that are just now discovering or like starting to sense? Cause at that time I was mm. not okay with a big talking about it. I was very prideful and like, yeah. Like I have to have it all together. I have to be perfect. I have to be all these things. And it wasn't until years later that I can actually come to a little bit of a grips with it that yeah. hey, it's okay that my story can help others. So what would you say to people that are in that initial process or maybe going through mental health or anxiety or depression right now? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'd like to tell them number one, that it's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with you. 
Um, God doesn't make mistakes. So whatever you're going through is meant to teach you something. That's the way that I looked at it. Um, and you know, this is, I don't encourage anybody to do it this way. This is just the way that I approached it. I, so I didn't take any, um, you know, prescription drug or anything for anxiety at any point in time. Um, my journey, you know, completely natural and with faith as, as my only mechanism for healing. But what that and that didn't make it an easy road, but it taught me so much. And I think that's what the message I'd like to share is that there is purpose in all of this. There is purpose in the pain and the lessons that you're going to learn from these experiences are going to shape and mold you into the human being that's going to have this greater calling. Like you're experiencing this because you may be called to serve like this community in a deeper and more meaningful way. Um, and so there's a lot of people in need and a lot of people are suffering silently. And it's like you said, you know, you can't see it on the surface and you can't see it if those individuals aren't sharing either. And there's a lot of people that are just afraid to share their story for fear of judgment and criticism and the stigma that exists. And so you've got to kind of be their voice. You know, if you can take that first step, you're going to find that there are others who will do it with you. And that community is where the strength, you know, lies because you just continue to build momentum and it snowballs. And so, um, you know, don't be ashamed of who you are. Um, you were uniquely and richly created. We're all we've all got a purpose and mm -hmm. the experiences that we have, you know, shape us and mold us so that we can be ready for that purpose. There's two things I hear there and two things I want to address. Um, one thing is the community, which mm -hmm. is huge for yeah. me. I'm going through depression, especially having child out of wedlock and especially in my um, pregnancy stage, I was so depressed and mm -hmm. I did mine through smile and <laughs> happiness, but my inner people like my very close, my family is actually who really was my big advocates. They knew that something was off. Sure. And so Let's go into the power community. And then mm -hmm. I want to go on next um, to the spirituality of it. Yeah. And um, mental health and the faith aspect. So let's go mm -hmm. first to the community. Tell me, talk to me more about that. Yeah. And I don't think like community is necessarily where you expect to see it all the time. Um, you know, family can be wonderful and I'll tell you, like, you know, if I didn't have my mom and dad and, you know, my dad, he was the individual in 2002 when I had absolutely no understanding of what anxiety disorder was and panic and all those things. He was the individual individual that sat on the end of the phone and listened to conversations, you know, deep into the night often to like help me through that. And it was like me being able to share again, this is prior to the blog, but just being able to share my experience with him. And have him not judge, but just listen and, and kind of be there. That's where I started to gain clarity, like, and, and wrap my hands around what I was doing with. Beyond that, then, like, the community that I think develops is the one when, when you step into, like, that vulnerability and you start sharing that story, you start to attract other individuals. And they come from, like, different pockets of, like, your upbringing, um, friends that you've had in high school, but other acquaintances too. Like I had individuals that went to high school with me that kind of knew me as like the popular kid in the quarterback and they wouldn't have necessarily like, you know, wanted to be friends with me that have reached out and shared their story and said like, wow, like I didn't know this. And then we've built this like amazing bond through the communication we've had about like our mental health journeys. And the same thing goes with like LinkedIn. Um, you know, the vulnerability in the share has attracted so many amazing people and communities to me. 
And there are people even from a business standpoint who have like when I've been, you know, meeting with them for professional purposes only to, you know, talk about a, a business opportunity who have pulled me aside and said, hey, by the way, I wanted you to know, like, I've been reading this stuff and it's amazing. And, and I've suffered with anxiety or somebody in my family has suffered with depression or whatever it may be. I've had that happen multiple times. And these are people that wouldn't even be like visible to me um, normally because they're not engaging. They're not liking. They're not commenting, but they're watching. And so if you put it out there, you're going to attract that community. And you're going to be amazing. The cool thing is, is that the effect of people that you may not know, and as long as you're mm -hmm. affecting one person, I remember one time that this guy, he's like, um, I was going into a big meeting with all transportation people. And he's uh -huh. like, yeah, can you tell that story that you told uh, to so-and-so? Because it made her cry and she just talked about you forever. And uh -huh. I'm like, you know what that story is? And I went into it. He's like, oh, well, if you feel comfortable, I was like, <laughs> Okay, it's all transportation. It's it's fine logistics, you know, like, but it, it's a way to open up to people yeah. and to be what we say is hot. So humble, open and transparent. And in that, we can get into deeper dialogue because we're, we're taking down these layers of ourselves. Mm -hmm. That is so important. And one thing I do want to step into next is yeah. people of faith. Yeah. One thing that I see that really it's a struggle for me at times. And, and what my, this is my personal experience too, mm -hmm. is that whenever we see somebody struggling with mental health, we sometimes label it as sin and we sometimes give them Bible verses about how they're sinning. Or in my experience, we've all, I've also had it where look, I'll just pray for you. Yeah. Praying is great. And I do not want to, and I will say my faith journey in my prayers and in prayers of the people, but just to pray for your sins to go away, mm -hmm. a whole different ball game. Totally um, agree. And so I just want to dab into that real quick from a, a believer in a, of the faith. It doesn't matter what religion that you're actually in, but yeah. how it can be a help, but it also can be a hurt. And understanding that mental health, again, you can't see the wound. Right. So what do you tell to people that that do that and then sometimes judge on the aspect. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, you know, mental health experiences are sinful. I mean, maybe some of the things that kind of lead us to those experiences could be, I mean, there's addictions that I've, you know, kind of personally battled myself that have not, you know, healthily or been healthy contributors to like my mental health. That's for sure. Um, but I wouldn't classify it as sinful. I mean, that's, it's kind of, um, I honestly believe that. So the way that I, I'm a Jesus follower, you know, and um, religion aside, like I follow Jesus and like my, my understanding of Jesus was, is that when he, you know, went and, and preached and, and met with people in different communities, I mean, he was looking for people like me. Um, I was the guy that he sat with and had conversation with, you know, I was sort of the lost sheep, if you will, like he wanted to find me and bring me back. So I feel like my faith has taught me that Jesus cares for me just as much as any other individual. And, you know, he really carves, carved out time in his schedule to, to sit with folks like myself who were experiencing things that we couldn't, you know, fully understand. You know, if we were the outcasts of society, that's kind of the individuals that he wanted to dedicate a lot of time to. And so 
I would say like, don't judge, you know, the, the reality is, is that most people are, you know, carrying a bucket of something and, you know, it may be easier to hide it um, for one individual than another, but come on, there's skeletons in everybody's closet, you know, and I'm just, I'm kind of more about bringing everything to the surface and being real and authentic and saying like, Hey, I'm not perfect. I, I am a sinner, you know? Um, but that, I don't think that's correlates with my mental health, um, position at all. I mean, so yeah, I, I hope that answers your question. That was, that was a difficult one, but I, <laughs> I like it. But it's so true. And I, and I think that you touched on it and it's what I speak about and what I found mm. in my journey, because what my mind actually stemmed was from a lot of lack of love because I didn't mm. have enough love. I didn't love myself. I didn't yeah. know how to. And what I, I see is that whenever you can love yourself, you can then tell your story. Cool. But that is that love is to be patient, kind, honest, understanding, not boasting of your real will. And so whenever you get to that story of love, which is a compartment of grace. Mm hmm you can say your story. Totally, totally. And I think that was a big part of it for me too, is that I started, as I did share, I started to recognize that I kind of like this me, you know, I kind of liked the fact that I was different and that I had something to share that most people didn't, you know, something that could reach others who were in need, like, and that really made me feel attached to my faith even more so. If you hear somebody that is like, hold, they, they've got to the point that they can love themselves, they got to the point that they can have grace, what would you tell them to start telling their story and the power of it? Uh, I mean, it's changed my life personally. So I don't know that the avenue has to be the one that I followed. You know, obviously I started in a blog and I will tell you, like, I did the blog because that's where I was comfortable. Like that kind of actually suited my anxiety best because I didn't necessarily, I didn't need to put myself on camera. I didn't need to. And now I've stepped into that in recent months. And it's like, I feel really, I almost don't even care to write nearly as much anymore because I really enjoy doing this. And I feel like it connects more with people, but everybody's got their own unique road. I mean, it could start just by maybe it doesn't need to like be to this big open network. But if you start journaling and you start finding some strength in that, you know, just being OK with yourself and sharing and, and understanding yourself, you're going to find some like confidence and security in like that understanding of who you are. And then you'll maybe share it with your friends, with your your family, and maybe it expands into a broader mission. It, it doesn't all have to be done exactly like the way that I'm doing it. But I can tell you, as you start to share, um, you do draw more community to you. And that's really what keeps you on the healthy path um, is having those others who are maybe at similar stages, maybe they've already, you know, gotten to a point of healing, maybe some are just starting out, you need everybody around you to kind of support you in that community and help you continue to grow. And I think one person described you best as a glow stick. <laughs> so you shine the light in the darkest of places, but yeah. to get there, you first have to have that inner light. Yeah. And for me, that's what describes you the most <sighs> is you. that, that ability to shine light in places that need to be gone to and vulnerabilities yeah. that need to be hopefully exposed through people so that they can live this life that I believe that they're destined to mm -hmm. live. Yeah. So for that, I want to give you the last words mm -hmm. on I'm not sorry for telling my story um, and being unapologetically bold. What would you say? 
Yeah, I'm not sorry for telling my story and being unapologetically bold. Um, It's who I am, you know, and this is uh, something like it's a bigger calling than I first could have ever imagined. Um, And so, you know, being that glow stick, like that's that's an amazing way to describe it. But what I've been trying to do is really go into extreme vulnerability and share even like the darkest, you know, periods of my life so that number one, I can understand it better. I can get it out. I can expose it in the light. And then I can kind of open up this vessel and allow myself to be filled with more of that light that then, you know, ultimately my cup overflows. Right. And so that allows me to extend my reach beyond myself, but to a broader community hopefully spread that light because I think there's there's a lot of darkness in the world right now and you know your vulnerability may just be what somebody needs to see um, because it could open the door to them feeling that confidence to share and um, you know step into a greater purpose that'll heal themselves and the world (laughs) yeah I love so much it's that that light attracts light yes and it is that is is the ability to, you know, it's like, be the difference you want to see in the world. It's a cliche saying, but be it. Like literally be it, be the light and you will attract the light. You want to see more light, be the light. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for if this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.